At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement, Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, It becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's with great pleasure that I have special guest Shanice DeTurville on the show today. Shanice is a creative source of positivity and manifestation. She's channeled her energy to become a preschool educator and author in Tampa, Florida. Tampa, Florida. Shanice began writing at an early age as a tool for self-care. She gained a great amount of insight from attending and participating in multiple community workshops over the years featuring various topics like manifestation and metaphysics. Her role as an educator aided Shanice in gaining unparalleled joy with having the ability to cultivate change and growth for children inside and outside of the classroom. From educating others, Shanice realized that her students faced daunting obstacles stemming from their socioeconomic status and based on where they live. She developed her first book, Your Mind, Your Business, a workbook for the rising entrepreneur to address her goals of equipping others with the tools to improve their economic standing. Shanice earned her bachelor of science degree from FAMU in Tallahassee, Florida. Her newest book, A Crystal on the Highest Hill, reflects the Turville's passion of increasing awareness of the environment within a metaphysical lens. Her book is now available for sale on Amazon, and it's with great pleasure that I welcome Shanice to the show. Welcome to the show, Shanice. Thank you, Jason, for having me. Hello, everyone. Happy to be here. (laughs) Happy to have you. Yes, thank you. I wanted just to say how we became acquainted with each other, that I'm in Tampa like you, and I was at Milagros Wellness Sanctuary last week, and we were talking, and I found out that you actually have your own children's book. It, it sounded amazing, and I wanted to, to get you on the show to talk about it and what motivated you to write your book and 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 do it in this way. Yeah, also it was really a pleasure meeting you at Milagros Wellness Sanctuary as well. And when I walked in, you were so excited to hear about my book, and again, I'm even intrigued to share more about it. How did you come up with your title? A Crystal on the Highest Hill, I came up with the title uh, due to the scene and context of the book, 
where I wanted the crystal to be the piece that would then create harmony amongst the townspeople. So a crystal being the symbol of harmony and balance and on the highest hill being where the townspeople would all be able to come together and see this structure or this piece of crystal to then share and live in harmony and balance. And was there anything that motivated you to come up with your story? I, many, thing, many things motivated me to come up with my story. Um, even within the title to share a little bit more, A Crystal on the Highest Hill, I attended FAMU, which uh, is representation of the highest of seven hills in Tallahassee, Florida. So that's where the highest hill comes from. And also too, uh, what motivated me was I was in a position in my life where I was seeing that the forces of nature through hurricanes and different things would have a problematic way of existing in our world. So I thought that the only way to relate it to children, which is my field as a teacher and educator, would to relate it to children would be to put it in a book. So I thought that if I could create creatures and uh, context and storyline that could get everything together with metaphysics and allowing the message to be creating stewards of the environment, that the story would all come together in a perfect way for children. I love that. You have characters in your book. Yeah. I want to talk first about Anubis. How did you come up with the name Anubis? And does Anubis represent anyone in your life? <laughs> I, yes. Um, so to start with the most uh, thrilling part, Anubis is actually my pet dog. And I got Anubis um, when I was 21 years old, uh, getting ready to travel to uh, Ghana, West Africa. And he was my first pet. And I named him Anubis after studying uh, Egyptian uh, gods. And Anubis represents the god of the underworld. And because he's all black, I thought the black resemblance and him being Anubis would fit perfectly. So I put him in the book, but in the book, he's actually a rabbit. And the reason he's a rabbit in the book is because he goes through different uh, underworlds or underground as a rabbit would normally do to then come up with other messages and other ways of sharing uh, the message that mother nature has for him to share. What would you consider the greatest lesson you personally learned by completing this project and why? Good question. Good question. Uh, the greatest lesson I learned um, would be that I think uh, there's a quote that says something along the lines that the person who has or who holds the pen has the most power. And like I would say for myself, being inside of the classroom, I'm able to be a catalyst of change, but outside of the classroom, I get to be an author. So the greatest lesson would be that my, my mission could be brought through in many ways that God ministers through my life, through writing, through creating. And so the, the, the biggest lesson here is to continue to create, to share the messages of truth, justice, reciprocity, harmony, all of those good things in a book. What's your, what's your viewpoint on self-empowerment? Oh, wow. Uh, that's a good topic. Uh, self-empowerment is really where a person who is self-empowered knows how to empower others. But it starts with the first word, self. And through metaphysics, we understand that we have to realize who we are in order to help other people know who they are. But you can't know others if you don't know yourself. Well, so self-empowerment really dives into who we are as a person and then empowering others. The reason I ask you that question is I'm talking to you. I can read energy and I get the self-empowerment energy coming out of you stronger <laughs> than ever. 
And I feel like you're going to be doing that as a mission the next five years of your life, not only for yourself, but with others you work with. And I, I started doing this recently when I do interviews, like intertwining psychic information as I get it, but I just had to say it because sometimes information comes through and I'll forget about it later. And I want to make sure I bring it up during the interview to you to say, right. I asked you what your viewpoint was on it. Cause that's what the word that's coming off your energy very strongly is self-empowerment. It's very, it's very crucial. It's very sacred to you. Yes, it and, is. And, and you're going to use that to enlighten others. So Thank this book's a start. Yeah. It's, I appreciate you sharing that. Jason. <laughs> it's not the ending. Let me ask you this. Okay. So we had the benefit of an off air conversation and I wanted to bring this into the interview, but, uh, tell our audience where you're from originally. I was born originally uh, in St. Croix, uh, Virgin Islands. And it's beautiful out there. I can only imagine. Beautiful. I've never been. I just, I've never... Yeah, just got off the phone speaking with my grandmother. It's amazing. The weather's nice. <laughs> when did you first come to Florida? I moved to Florida in 2003 and I came and lived in the city of Tampa. Okay, so you came here and Tampa's home. Tampa's yeah, been home for almost 20 years now. By way of the Virgin Islands, yes. When you first came to Tampa, you were 13? Yes. What was your experience like coming from the, you know, from where you were to here for the first time and adjusting? Oh, wow. Um, just the adjustments of coming from floor, uh, from the VI to here, was it was very different. Um, I come from a cultural background where the community knows one another. There's a lot of synchronicities and people knowing who we are. But when I arrived here, there was a difference in... Um, communication. I sensed that the environment here was very hostile. There was a lot of violence. Uh, the traditional ways is definitely different from our traditional ways back home. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. How were you able to overcome any challenges you had to acclimating here? What did you find that helped you get through the challenges of adjusting to living in Tampa compared to where you're from? Yes. So as I mentioned, um, the environment here was extremely hostile, but I realized that sometimes you're put in places to kind of go through it to come out on the other end. And as, as you shared in my uh, intro here, uh, writing was my biggest self-help tool. Um, I painted, I wrote. So all of the creative arts I tapped into in order to go through that fire of hostility in the environment and come out in an overcoming way. That's beautiful. I love hearing empowering stories and, and you know opportunities like that. Going back to a crystal on the highest hill, we already identified that the highest hill was where your school was in Tallahassee as personal yeah. reflect. What about Nowhere's Land? So Nowhere's Land, if you could think of a ostrosis place where there's nothing but mountains and waters and, and just the environment is without people, that is where Nowhere's Land is. But these thieves inside of the book, they take that crystal of protection and they take it to nowhere's land thinking that no one would go. But there's Anubis the rabbit, the god of the underworld, who is willing to go through these realms of nature, these forces of nature, in order to retrieve that crystal and bring back harmony and balance to that town where it was rightfully so needed. That's very interesting. The symbolism is very important. And when you did your... Your, your drafts of the book, was there something in the, in the symbolism that you change or alter it over time? Or did you keep it relatively the same from this? You know, I, I'm, I'm curious about that. Cause I always love to hear how a writer does the evolution of their, their characters and their story plot and that kind of thing. Yes. Um, there was very small differences, but I would say the overall symbolism was very intentional. Jason, I have to say, um, 
the the fact that the crystal was the symbol it could have been anything but i chose a crystal for specific reasons for spirituality and protection the fact that i oh nice yeah even how we're joking about that (laughs) (laughs) yes even um the fact that uh, mother nature being the character's names anubis mother nature being that force of nature also the fact that we have different animals and the environment is in the forest And then we have even the humans where there's a young girl named Abigail who meets Anubis. All of these things are done intentionally. The fact that nowhere's land doesn't even have humans is done intentionally. The fact that uh, Abigail had to go in front of the seven council members, all of these symbols are all intentional and they all mean something in our world. (laughs) Who do the seven council members represent? The seven council members actually represent the elements of nature, but they're in animal form. So we have some like water, the elements of fire, wind, you know, all of those things represent the councils of uh, nature. I uh, I don't know if I had a chance to share, so I'll share with you now. I've shared sure. this on the show before. I first became uh, an open psychic publicly in 2017. Right before I did that, I went to... Sedona, Arizona. And I don't think you've met Megan yet. I think you're going to, yeah, she's my best friend. You'll meet her. She's, trust me, she'll love your book. Okay. I believe. But uh, basically I just started getting handed palm stones from her and I didn't know what was the significance of it at the time. Cause I never really paid attention that crystals had energy that were healing in as a modality or anything. So People, you know, she'd be giving me palm stones and I started gifting to other people in our social group. And so she saw the palm stone she gave me with other people walking around like, why would Jason just give that away? That's like a sacred (laughs) thing here. So when I went to Sedona and I bought myself a pendant, an amethyst pendant, by the way, Mm -hmm. uh, the guy at the shop down there said, if you're going to wear this, make sure you don't wear it while you're asleep because you'll have crazy dreams. Uh And I kind of laughed at him. You know, I got to learn not to laugh at people when they say things that are a little out there, like, I laughed at this guy who told me in 2007 that, you know, that I would have my own radio show. And then here we go. And then I laughed at this other person that told me, don't let it stay on you when you're sleeping. And I fell asleep after hiking. And when I went to sleep that night, my, my dreams were supercharged and it opened me up and made me sensitive to crystal healing energy from that trip, from being over there with the ley lines and everything and being just one with nature. And that community is very magical. So fast forward and now I understand crystal healing much better. And I think the fact that you're utilizing the, the backdrop of that for your, for your book and for educating children about the environment, it's an it's a interesting approach. I haven't seen many children's crystals books, I, I, you know, many children's books that devote themselves to the, the idea of, of crystals. Right. So when was your first experience with crystals and, and how did you first learn about their healing nature? Well, my first experience... Um is going to kind of sound familiar to yours, but it had everything to do with just a social gathering. And uh, in Tallahassee, we we had a social group, which was kind of a spiritual group. But I understood that within that spiritual group, we didn't necessarily pass around crystals, but we had books. And inside of this book was a book of crystals. So there was ways that we were always able to kind of order our own but intentionally, I was first uh, met with the Amethyst uh, living in my aunt's home here in Tampa, Florida. And just going through some of her things, I just found this purple crystal just laying there. 
And so I took it as my own after calling her and making sure that it was okay. She was just like, yeah, you know, everything was fine. But this amethyst actually came from one of those bigger amethysts that I've always dreamed about touching and holding and wanting. But stemmingly, my first crystal comes from that. But in Tallahassee, there's a spiritual community where most of what we talk about is crystals and most of our endeavors lead to spiritual, spiritual stuff, which took me in that realm of crystals. It's funny too, because when you talk about crystals, I feel like, as you said that, I'm like, you're speaking my language. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I talk a lot about different crystals on a private level with friends. And I mean, when your best friend owns a crystal shop, you're going to talk about crystals all the time. And when oh, your other fine. friends are also yeah. there as well, it's like you're around it all the time. Yeah, it's definitely intriguing to me. Most, most of them, very much so. What has it been like for you in terms of, of understanding metaphysical? Because I studied a little metaphysical myself when I first started out. I was like very, you know, 2017. I mm-hmm. wanted to understand concepts. And what's your favorite metaphysical concept that you haven't shared with anyone before? Um, to be honest, I have shared. Um, and the reason is just back to that self-empowering. Once you're, you know, for me to be empowered with knowledge, it, it means that I have now been able to equip myself to share it. So, um, but that concept for metaphysics is knowledge of self. And to me, by far, that is the, that is the basis. It's the foundation. It's where I started and it's where I tell everyone to start. And in uh, Ghana, West Africa, or some traditional cultures, there's a symbol, which is a Sankofa bird. And the bird has its neck going backwards like this. So you will see a bird like this. And that bird represents to go back to the past, to come to the present, to know where you're going in the future. And that to me sums up the, sums up my understanding or the beginning concepts of metaphysics for me is knowledge of self. Mine, but I remember as we were just talking, I was thinking about how the duality between your earth self and your higher self, and you try to get the downloads and you try to, you know, interestingly enough, I actually had a download not that long ago where I was like, somebody's dream popped into my head from a, I called it a download. I got up, I was doing my morning routine. All of a sudden I had this download of someone's dream in my house. Like, how did that just happen? <laughs> I mean, it's like, and then I'm like, why am I asking that question? After everything I've witnessed in the last, you know, 15 years, I yeah. don't question things anymore. I just accept them as information. But it's interesting to think of ourselves as our physical selves mm-hmm. and then the mind, body, spirit connection and all that, how it interplays and the idea of disease versus disease. When yeah. I had my cancer, I had to look critically at myself and say, my disease or my dis-ease with a hyphen, what do I have to do to change habits in my life to make me healthier? And I made a lot of changes. I ended yeah. a long-term relationship. I switched up some business relationships, lost 50 pounds, switched up a lot in my life. I took one of those crystal balls and shook them around like the, the water, you know, the water crystal ball. I'm not talking about yeah. the water crystal But sometimes when you land up on the other side, you'll find you'll have a greater sense of self through all that. Absolutely. And I... I want to ask you, as an educator, have you thought about the kind of changes that are going to come out of this pandemic when you work with your students going forward and all the transitions that you're going to work with them in the classroom after having so many, so many things to experience as children? What do you think that's going to be like for you going forward as an educator? Um, what, I, what I noticed inside of the classroom, even just as the pandemic started, is the use of technology is now coming into play. So where, so where I would sit inside of the classroom and I'm used to my engagement being full on, my students are all over me, we are all having a great time and we're learning, 
now we have an individual perspective of school and teaching even inside of the classroom. So I have my students who are not able to be as interactive with me. They have to sit in their seat. We have to stay six feet away and they're on a computer or they're on a tablet. So imagine that the pandemic did not only bring about this awareness of, okay, there might be a virus that's deadly, but also taking away from metaphysics is now we're back into this, this 3D realm of being individual people separate from one another solely on our devices. And to me, where we want to get away from that, from my perspective of living as a, coming from a holistic perspective, we're now moving away from that and moving more into technology. So outside of the pandemic, I'm just, I'm thinking like the classroom will completely change, but it's also sometimes parents can find that there may be a benefit to that where more homeschooling will be in play. And parents now don't have to have their children away from them with the risk of a pandemic, they can keep their children at home safe and sound, but still on a computer device. So there's like a double-edged sword with that, but it's just the way that I see things going through the pandemic. And and the interesting aspect of the technology that became our, our, our lifeline for yeah. many months, right? I mean, yeah. to think that you could have these kind of, con- we're having our conversation right now through Zoom. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about Zoom a year ago. I didn't even know Zoom existed. I just remember Skype and I didn't like Skype very much, but <laughs> Zoom's so much more user-friendly for us. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, think about the content, you know, uh, the context, I should say, uh-huh. of what we've gone through. And it's almost like we're all waking up from a deep sleep. Right. I don't know if you feel like that, but I felt like that. I got my vaccine last Friday, first shot from Pfizer. Okay. I felt like after I got the injection, I felt like I woke up from a long coma, like, because my perspective changed. And wow. I don't know if you've, if you've started feeling that yourself, but I feel like things are starting to come back to life. Um, horrible to say that analogy during a pandemic, but I mean that as a society, we're going to be able to start venturing out and letting society, you know, letting things go forward again. I feel like we've all been held back so much. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I'm good, good, good point with that. I think that for me, I'll be even more intrigued and ready for that to go back to what reality <laughs> was. Um, I'm the type of teacher, like my students, we want to be outside. We want to see the butterflies. That's why I'm big on my uh, mission for stewards of the environment. So to the feeling of waking up out of a deep sleep, I actually took advantage of the pandemic in a different way where I did spend time outdoors will- willingly. Um, there is a risk. We do wear masks. We do have all of these uh, procedures in place. But as a person who is a daughter of the sun, so to speak, I love outdoors and to stay inside would cause more harm to me versus being outdoors. I'll say this. Uh, when I said sleep, I mean, like our normal activities before, like concerts and movie theaters. I wasn't. Oh, yeah. really, I mean, I go outside. I have to go out every day just to breathe and get out there and, and have the sun hit my face a little bit. And go, yeah. I used to go for walks and stuff. Um, I'm, we're blessed where we live in Florida that we can go walking in year round. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's interesting to think about all of that taken as in, in the context of what we're dealing with. But I feel like it's a pivotal moment for us. I think we're really gonna we're gonna as a society um, step up to the plate and swing the bat and hit a home run. I hope that's the prayer that I have going forward. That we don't have any more deaths that we need to avoid, whatever it is. But it'll get better. Absolutely, and I'm sure everyone's hoping and ready for that time. We do get back to those amazing concerts, right? <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait, and I, I will probably be one of those people that goes to those more now than ever before. Yep. Let me ask you this about your book. Yeah. So if, if you were, let's say I, I meet you and we're stuck in an elevator together 
And if I'm sitting there and we're stuck in the elevator and, you know, it gets awkward because our phones aren't even with us. We're just sitting there. We actually have to rely on the old fashioned, good eye to eye communication. with each other. And I asked you, so what's been the greatest thing you've been doing recently with this whole pandemic? And you said, my book. Yeah. Right. And I follow up a question with you and say, if you were to summarize your book in one word, what would it be and why? Protection. And why would be because, again, there are forces of nature that might be coming against us. And in order for us to stay overcome or stay empowered, we have to protect ourselves. And we do know that crystals are a good way of spiritual protection. I love that. I love that. Yeah, thank what, you. what motivated you to become an educator? Um, I've had great experiences growing up with my teachers. They were actually my parents outside of the home. They gave me a way to uh, learn more about the world. So I thought to be a better catalyst to children was to become an educator. And I always felt like I had a lot to share and teach outside of the curriculum I had to share. And my personality is a nurturing one. So being an educator is one who encompasses the love for children and for teaching and for getting you know, positive messages out there. And that was my purpose for becoming an educator. Have you ever thought about doing some type of a board game for children? I have. I, see I actually I don't know created why that just comes one. Off the energy, but as you're talking to me just now, I literally saw you creating a board game that's actually going to be very successful for yourself and it's going to deal with certain themes. I just got that. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm writing it down, Jason. That's what I do. That's a download from you and I'm receiving it. <laughs> But um, there was there was one time in uh, Miami, Florida, I was working with a homeschool facility and it was an amazing time for me there. And my children, the children at the moment, they were very young, but I realized that everyone learns differently. So I took all of that creativity and those observations and I did actually come up with something. So I just have to put it on paper and bring it forth since you brought it up again. Make it so. That's what I'm being told by my spirit guides. Make it so. You'll do it. And you're you're actually going to have a very lucrative um, period of time coming up for yourself between now and like, I don't know, uh, the next four years, you're going to see okay. more projects coming off your off your desk, so to speak, and things you're going to do. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised I if in the future. I, receive not, all of that. I feel like you may leave being an educator or keep it part-time status so you can do more other things that you're more passionate about in the future. Yeah. Don't be surprised and if you don't it's, have that. It's, def it's, it's definitely, I, I'm, I'm open to it. You know, I'm open to the abundance and prosperity. So, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I, 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 I just, I love having these topics and these conversations. Let me ask you this. Uh, let's talk about your other book, Your Mind, yeah. Your Business. What, we brought it up, but tell me a little about that and you know, share that with our audience and tell me what prompted you to write that book and why. Sure. Um, I, I will want to close out and just show here that the book of Crystal on the Highest Hill, if you could see it. Uh, almost closer. Yeah, that's beautiful. I like yeah. your cover. How did you do your artwork for the cover? Um, I actually hired someone. Okay. And what's that someone, artwork? Just in was, case the audience can't see it because it's a, a podcast. But it's it's okay. Helpful. That's all right. If you um, could describe my, it, I mean. Excuse me? If you could describe what's on the cover for the audience in case they can't yeah. see it. So a Crystal on the Highest Hill, as we close out moving into the next book, you'll see here. There's that purple crystal representing protection covered by stones and each stone encompasses a word or a symbol that represents some truth, harmony, reciprocity, love. So that crystal stands for protection. And so I just wanted to close out showing that beautiful cover that Absolutely. the uh, illustrator worked uh, very hard on for me. Thank you, thank you. That's beautiful. Did, yeah. did your illustrator do the whole book for you by the way? 
I, they did. I actually, um, I'm very creative. So everything that I drafted, they were able to just duplicate in the more professional and expert way. <laughs> but they did. Yes. I'm still going to ask this, but I probably know why. Why yeah. a children's book? Um, so going back to what I saw earlier in my career with the challenge of um, adults probably not being so open to change, or at least the types of adults that I was attracting, I knew that children were more receptive. So a children's book was that perfect way. But I like to say whenever I speak to someone who asks a question, the book is technically a children's book, but it's a family oriented book. It's, it's for anyone. It's um, there's big words in there and then there's small words. It's a book for the family to read together. So children's book, it just comes with visuals. That's what I love. I'm a visual person. And I think there's a lot of people out there that's like me. So the visuals help to see the crystal. They help to see a that's going down with Abigail. It helps to see the portal open up. All of those things are aligned with metaphysics. So I wanted for everyone to see that as well. I love that. I think it's yeah. very important to, to do that. And I, you know, and that's to, of course, now go into the other book, but thank you for that, that section on that book. On the words, tell yeah. us about your, your second book and, you know, just tell us what motivated you to do it and what you got from your best experience from, from completing. Yeah. Thank you for bringing uh, the second book up. So the, uh, the second book or first book would be your mind, your business. And it's actually a workbook uh, to help rising entrepreneurs take their ideas and turn it into manifestations. And what I saw was that um, through manifestations, I felt like financial stability was one of the areas that people like myself, anyone who wants to get on the right side of the money, they need tools. And whereas I started in marketing at the age of 19, I'm learning sales and I'm learning all of these things. And as an avid note taker, I was always taking the best notes. So I felt like, okay, all of this information is there. So let me credit these people, put it in the book and um, share that information to help other people understand and learn financial stability. And the best lessons that I've got from that, even myself, it's something that I use personally. It's a workbook, it's a tool. It's something I'm able to carry around wherever I go. But the abundance of ideas that I think people get as it relates to business, entrepreneurship, I think having a tool such as a workbook to help all those ideas stay in one place has been the biggest lesson. And it helps, it helps keep things in place in an organized way. I can understand that completely in its yeah. entirety. I, that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yes. With, with education and your training, where do you see your, the greatest challenge for you in the classroom going forward after this pandemic or just going forward in general in the near future? Yeah. Um, the greatest challenge I would say, um, so every challenge comes with certain locations. So for example, where I was a special ed teacher in Miami, the challenge that I, I sensed there were the parents. The parents were a challenge because some parents weren't willing to accept that their child had a disability. So I had to step in in a nurturing space and help them bring forth, you know, and understand what was going on. And where we have a different situation or a different location of students where they're more of a, let's say in high school, the demographics are different. So the challenge is also different. But I think literacy would be my challenge here because we're in a pandemic and we already shared or kind of had an agreement that more technology is being used now. I think that the literacy, literacy would then be declined. <laughs> so the challenge would be helping our students, helping our children, um, become more 
literate or become more right, become writers, become people who still want to find creative ways of learning and understanding knowledge. So literacy would be the greatest challenge, I think, would be going forward as an educator. And I agree 100%. I think I told you off camera that my mom was a special ed teacher in Patterson, right. New Jersey for 27 years. So I appreciate exactly what you do. She taught neurologically impaired students. Yeah. And she's retired here in Tampa, so I get to see her regularly. But oh. the point is, what you do is such a, such a selfless, such a, you know, it's one of those things that's it's under rewarded. You don't get appreciated like you should as an educator and you need to be. Uh, our, our nation's future is the most important aspect of everything we're dealing with right now could be handled a lot of the time with a proper education, economic issues, Absolutely. quality, understanding what America represents and why we're here and what our democracy is supposed to all be about. Right. Those are all lessons in civics and, and, and all those kind of things. I, I just wanted to, to just make a comment that as an educator, I think it's great that you do that. And I, I just deeply appreciate it because we need more giving, nurturing educators in the classroom. And I know teachers burn out and I want them not to burn out. I don't know how we can change that. Um, maybe eliminate all the testing that happened in the past. Okay. I guess that's a start, okay. yeah. but you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a thankless job sometimes. And I know the challenges you deal with. So I want to thank you for, for making that your life choice, at least at this stage of your life. You're not staying as an educator the rest of your life. I will tell you that you're going to be doing <laughs> consulting work for yourself and you're going okay. to start entrepreneurial endeavors and creative projects. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, just as an educator, there is, we do, we do experience a lot of challenges, even inside of the structure of a school, you know, there's um, shooting sometimes, you know, so that's why I say sometimes more parents are going to feel more humbled with children being home. But I do feel like we, we deserve more, we can get more. And if there's part-time work that we do, that's okay too. Just being a teacher part-time, that's okay for all of us. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We're running low on time, but okay. I want to thank you for coming on. I uh, I just really appreciate running into you the way we did. And then being able to do a show and share your book and your ideas and your story, because all of us have compelling stories. And what I like about your story is that it's it's far from over. You've got a lot of chapters to write, a lot of notable things to do, and a lot of incredible tasks to complete in your life. And you're going to empower a lot of people. I think that should be, you should write a book on empowerment because you're going to be the epitome of that by the time you're done. So <laughs> just keep that in mind. Sure. But um, my last question to you, if anyone was to take one thing from this interview, what would it be and why that you'd want them to lead the interview with? I'm I'm going to bring it home. Excuse me. I'm going to bring it home uh, just by the way we met, Jason. And I'm going to say uh, synchronicity, synchronistic encounters. No matter where you are, we all, there's sometimes a saying that says there are no coincidences. And the way we met, Jason, I could have <laughs> missed you by a few minutes. I could have yeah. missed you by an hour. You know, there was no way of knowing that you would have even been in the same place that I was already destined to be. So I want to say just to take away from anything would be synchronicity, synchronicities. Just appreciate everyone you meet, appreciate the blessings that come with shaking someone's hand or staying six feet, but just <laughs> age, share eye contact, you know, outside of that mask, get to know people, exchange contact and each one teach one. Your podcast, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to share, happy to learn more about your family, your mom, even your message. This is all amazing to me. So synchronistic encounters are all purposeful. And I'm so happy the way we met. That's one thing from this. Well, 
I'll tell you this. Synchronicity has been one of the biggest themes of my existence since, since becoming intuitive. I can't tell you how many synchronistic things have guided my life. Angel numbers, times of day, songs. It sounds weird to someone on the outside, but when you're on the inside and you see it happen to you and you have the ability to be aware of it, it can really guide you. The universe can bring you places you would never go on your own, such as a protest march or Millie's shop or anywhere. And so synchronicity is a powerful, powerful thing. And learning to appreciate it and let it guide you is probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned in the last eight months. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. And I do want to say thank you for those downloads that you were sharing with me about board games and my experience coming up within the next five years. I take all of that to heart. I've written it down and I appreciate (laughs) your spirit guides for sharing that message with us. I'll say this anytime. I call it psychic Tourette's actually. And I know about psychic Tourette's. You are the social psychic. So I'm happy. I don't don't mean, I don't mean to, to in any way denigrate having Tourette's, but what I'm saying is when I pick up information, there are times when I'm in a conversation and I'll just blurt something out. I also have ADD on a smaller scale, but I feel like it comes through for a reason. So that's why I interject when I do what I do. Okay. No, it's, it's a pleasure for me to be able to do that. I I appreciate it. I just want to thank Shanice Turvel for coming on the show today to share her book, A Crystal on the Highest Hill. This is a, a definitely great book for children to learn about metaphysics and the environment from an educator herself who's been in the trenches of our, our classrooms and helping shape minds and paradigm change. Being a teacher is a hard, hard thing. I never was a teacher, but I had my family as educators. And I see a lot of people who are phenomenal teachers helped influence my life. And I know they shape minds and it's, it's just such a powerful thing to be able to make that choice and do that for that profession. Shanice's decision to do that and then become an author and share her personal viewpoints on metaphysics, as well as the environment is a powerful thing. The word empowerment is all around her. I encourage you to look at this book, to check her out and to be self-empowered yourselves, because the more we're empowered, the more we shape our own destinies in ways we don't even understand or comprehend. Check out Synchronicity. If you don't understand it, go on YouTube and watch videos regarding how synchronicity can impact one's life because the gaining a greater understanding of these concepts will really help each of us as we move forward. But for that, I just say, check out the book, A Crystal on the Highest Hill. You'll be happy. You'll read about Anubis the Rabbit. Helping to save the environment is one of our greatest tasks at hand. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I thank Shanice for sharing her story and coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives 
one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.